Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. It's been a difficult week for me and my family. Well, you know, there's a reason why you pray sometimes and you feel that God doesn't answer those prayers. But trust me, those prayers are answered. He probably doesn't answer it the way we want him to answer it. But even though we're shedding tears, we know that we have a God. And we know that that God is still on the throne. He says, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. So even through the tears, we give glory to God. And we know that he's in control. Amen. Um, this is our month of financial stewardship. But this is not the first time that we've gone through a topic like this. How many of us remember last year? How many of us were present when we had this last year? Okay, great. So can I just ask, sort of like by a show of hands, how many felt you actually benefited from the program we had last year. Amen. So we have a few. Now, I'm going to go on to say how many of you were able to utilize some of the information that was shared last year? Okay. A few less hands, which is fine. Um, Right, and the reason we're asking this is so that we know where to um, drill down, if we can put it that way. And we would like to, in the following weeks, understand why we had a lot more people that heard the message, that heard the program, why a few out of those who have heard it were able to go ahead and utilize it. And what we want to do in the com coming weeks is to help people to get from that point A to point B. So to understand why, um, yes, when you received the message, when you received the teaching, it went, you know, you understood it, but what happened along the line? And those are the gaps that we need to help people to, to block so that in future weeks, in future months, it becomes part of our daily routine. Now, I say this to say a lot of the things that we teach, even though they're physical things, they're actually spiritual things. Now, the song's just been sung, all things were created for God and by God for his pleasure. And that includes everything that God has given unto us. Last year, when we preached this message, we talked about, um, I'll just give a quick recap on it, being a good steward of the resources God has given us. And we talked about everything. And that includes, you know, the life he's given unto us, the time that he's given unto us. What do we do with our time? What do we do with the life that he has given unto us? The children he's given unto us. These are all part of God's resources to us. 
And it's important that we utilize whatever it is God has given unto us, God's way. Now, there's a way that man, there's a way that the world utilizes its resources. And there's a way that God has called us to utilize the resources that he has given unto us. So it's important that we understand from the standpoint of a spiritual being, who is what, which one of us are. We live in a body and we have a soul, but we are actually spirits. So it's important that when we utilize God's resources, we utilize it God's way. And that is why we are called stewards. We are not owners of anything that God has given to us. We are stewards. And what does a steward do? A steward takes instruction from the master. The same way as when we are employed in an environment at work, we have a job description. There is a way that the director or the CEO of the company expects us to do things. And if we don't follow those steps, we end up with our P45. And that is the same with the kingdom of God. So for what we have this month, we ask people to send in questions. And is it closed? Can we still get some more questions in? Is that okay, Will? Stephen? Yeah? And the reason we're, I mean, we wanted people to do it last week so that we can collate them. But if people still have questions, I encourage you to submit those questions. It's important for us to understand from the spiritual side of things how we deal with situations, how we utilize the finances, the resources that God has given unto us. Are we clear? Amen. So if we look at what um, a steward is, which I believe most of us do know, it says utilizing and managing all resources, not just some, all resources God provides for the glory of God and for the betterment of his creation. And that is where we have the uh, we have Psalm, uh, Psalm 24, 1, which we're going to read in a minute. But I, for the purpose of today, I have tied to, and even for the purpose of the whole of these sessions when we have them, I've purposed it, live like no one else, so you can live like no one else. Does that make sense? It'll make sense in the end. Live like no one else, so you can live like no one else. And in a nutshell, what does that mean? You cannot follow the system of the world and follow the system of God. You cannot follow the system of the world and get the results of the kingdom. You're going to have to be prepared to go it alone. To say, I am going to listen to God and I'm going to do it God's way, not the way of the world. The Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but thereof is destruction. And we have all grown up doing it the world's way. So we're at a point where we need to 
speak to ourselves. We need to re-educate, renew our minds, and do it God's ways. If we want the benefit of God's ways. If we want the benefit of the world, then we do it the world's way. But we can't do it the world's way and get the benefit of the kingdom of God. It's like someone saying, I'm, I'm going to grow, I'll, I'll, I'll put um, orange seeds in the ground, but I want a banana to come out. Even when you put an orange seed in the ground, you cannot get satsumas, much as they look alike and they, 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 they're closer to each other. So it's whatever we sow, that is what we would ultimately reap. So over the coming weeks, we're going to deal with budgets, we're going to deal with savings, investments, um, internet banks, we're going to deal with insurances, we're going to talk about retirements, I'm surprised no one's put anything there, I've put there for retirements, because we need to talk about it, talk about pensions, tithing, offerings, we're going to talk about businesses, we're going to talk about multiple streams of income. We're going to talk about mortgages. And I, I added this morning, we're going to talk about wills and last testaments. Unfortunately, that is something I find in the culture that we grew up in. People don't want to talk about making a will. You talk to people and say, oh, have you made a will? And I said, do you want me to die? I, I, you think I'm going to die in the next two years? But, you know, our culture is one of the cultures that when someone passes away, there's so much turmoil in the family just because of a car that's been left behind or a house that's been left behind. And that's why it's important that we put our house in order. We just never know when. No one plans to die early, but it does happen. And I was faced with that reality this week. When you put your house in order, when you ensure that for your children that are left behind, they don't have to struggle. I've worked in pensions. I know what it's like when people die without a will. So I encourage us that as we go through these weeks, if we have questions, bring them up. Let's learn from it. Let's learn from the standpoint of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to give us a scenario. You know, you go to a new country for the first time. What are the things that you do? What are the first, or even before you go to that country, what are the things that you, you find out about? Yes? You research about what? Pardon? About the currency? The language? The what? Excursions? No, okay, if you are relocating to go and live in a country. Okay. Uh, what about the area? Jobs, right? Yes. Traveling, how you go about getting there? The safety? Oh, healthcare system, okay? The culture, yes. Anything else? Pardon? The economy, 
Right. Why do we do that? Pardon me? Whether you can buy yam. Food. No, I like that. I like that. Right? You study about the food. You study about the culture, the economy of the country, jobs, the weather. Why? Okay, why do you do that? Why don't you just pluck yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to Timbuktu and I'm going to live there without finding out anything. You have to be prepared. Why do you have to be prepared? You might have difficulties to make life easy for you. Right. Now, we prepare for physical things. We prepare, right, when we're going to another country. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, how prepared are we? And that is exactly the same thing. When you get born again, right, you're in a new culture. You're in the culture of the kingdom of God. So you will do well to also research. What does the culture of God teach me? It teaches me about faith. It teaches me about health. It teaches me about my inheritance. If we don't know these things, how can we lay a hold of them? So as Christians, the only way we can enjoy the full benefits of what God has for us is for us to research. And how do we research? We study the word of God. It's only in us studying the word of God do we know what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the only way we would know what's in his book. And I think I said this a few weeks ago when I ministered to say, if there's money in the bank waiting for me with my name on it, if I don't know, I don't know to go and claim it. Everything in the word of God is for us, is for our benefit. And that's why it's been penned down. I don't know how many versions of the Bible there are now. But I've lost count. Because every day a new version comes out so that a particular group of people can read it and understand it. And as they understand it, they can claim it. And that's what each one of us are meant to do. So today we're going to just look at the foundations. Because it's important that when we're building, we're building on solid foundations and unfortunately some of us have built on rocky foundations we built our lives on credit cards we've built our lives on loans and these things wreck lives they wreck marriages they send people to jail now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying having a credit card is wrong. And I'm not saying taking a loan is wrong. But what I'm saying is that 
People have done it to the extent that it's actually destroyed them. And that is why we need to go back to the drawing board and say what God told us. Let's lay those foundations and let us lay strong so that we can begin to build on it again. Let's move away from one extreme or the other extreme. You hear people say, oh, um, money is bad. Money is not bad. Um, the Bible never said money is bad. What the Bible said is the love of money is the root of all evil. So let's look at what Psalm 24 says. I just so love that scripture. It's like, Amen. NLT, please. Sorry. <laughs> Proverbs 24.1. No. Psalms. Psalms 24.1. He's not to me, isn't it? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all his people belong to him. Amen. Catch you for? Finish. I mean, it said it all. The earth, do we live on the earth? We live on the earth. Great. So we, ca- we can establish that. The earth is the Lord's. And what? And just some of the things in it. Every single thing on earth belongs to God. You know, this morning I just woke up singing that song. It all belongs to him. My life. Everything belongs to him. It says the world and all its people. So young, old, middle-aged, we all belong to God. All of us belong to God. And because we belong to God, he has given us 2 Peter 1.3. Because we all belong to him. Okay. Amen. Second Peter 1 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Amen. Amen. You know, the thing is, it cannot be any clearer than this. Now, the first scripture we read said, We all belong to him. Now, can we have a quick illustration here? Um, Sam Jr., is he sleeping? Where is he? Sam, can you come here? No, I asked Sam to come. I didn't ask you to come. No, can you put, Sam? Ezekiela, come, sweetheart. Can you stand here? Good girl. Thank you. Stand here. No, it's okay. Leave him. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to prove something there. Right, um, Fran, where are you? Can you come? 
Thank you. Is that Jade? Jade, can you come? Okay, can you stand here, please? Thank you. Nikki. Ah, Gabriel. Gabriel, can you come? Nikki. Thank you. Pastor E, can you please join them? Mama Love. Can you? Elder Mensa. Right, does anyone notice that when I told Sam Jr. to come, he did not listen to me? Why is that? He doesn't understand, right? Not because he doesn't want to come, but there's a level of understanding. When I said, Ezekiel, come, she got up quick. And so did every other person, right? Now, to each stage of our lives, there's a spe specific expectation from our parents. Now, the sort of instruction, at his age, everything is done for him. At her age, some things, you've begun to leave, give her the responsibility of certain things. You can say to Ezekiel, like, go and do this for me or go and do that. And as you go further up, further up, further up, right? <laughs> because he's been brought, but he's even gone back. Junior, now, point is, at every stage of our lives, right, there's a, a level of expectation from us, either from our biological parents or our spiritual father. Now, Pastor E cannot, or even Nikki, or even Fran cannot tell me they don't know any scripture in the Bible and they're a Christian. If they said that, you would question their Christianity, wouldn't you? Right? So, God expects, God would not go and ask Sam Jr. or Ezekiel, right? What does my word say about faith? Because God does not expect. God expects his parents to be praying over him, to be teaching him. The same with Gabriel. So there's a level of expectation. Now, if I gave Sam Jr. five pounds, what would he do? Right. If I gave Ezekiel five pounds, she would recognize that it's money. Right? Now, they're both children, but they're of different age groups. Now, you get to an age group where God expects you to teach the younger ones. 
and the, 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 the responsibility when God gives you money or gives you a resource at a certain age is different for each and every one of us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, my point here is God is giving us resources. Now, even though he's our father and either you're 75 years old or you're one year old, he still watches over us. But there's a level of responsibility at each stage of our lives. And that's why in Hebrews it says that we should no longer be drinking milk. We need to get to a place of maturity. And the same thing happens for when God gives us finances or gives us any other resource in our lives that we need to manage it well. Amen? We need to manage it well. Now, for the younger ones, they don't have a mortgage to pay. So when they get their money, unless they're taught, what do they do? They buy bags. They buy shoes. They don't understand the concept of investing unless they are taught. If Will was to get his salary next month and decides to go and spend it on some gadgets, forgetting that, oh, you know, there's a mortgage to be paid. He's got a wife. He's got two children. I mean, come on. Someone will look at him and say, hey, dude, what's going on with you? But he has learned that part of it has to go towards his mortgage. Part of it has to go towards his family. And he's got his whatever it is that he does to, you know, budget. And he's got the extra that he needs to spend on himself. So the same for each one of us. God has given us everything that we need for a godly life. And we have received it by coming. Thank you very much. <laughs> Can we have that back up? We have received it by coming to know him. When you know him, the, long, the more you know him, as you grow up, in your chronological age, the more you know him, the closer you're meant to get to him. The more you know him, the more you're meant to know what he has in his word for you and how to deal with the things in his word. And that's why sometimes they say, oh, the, the older you grow, the more wise you become. The more wise you should become. Because if you're a Christian, then that's the time you should spend more time with God. The time I spent with God two years, five years ago was not the same time that I spend with him now. I've learned to spend more time with him now than I did back then. I've grown chronologically, but I'm also growing spiritually. You know, Paul says it this way, and I'll, I'll read this in Ephesians 4, you know, I'll start from 15. It says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news and then traveled from Macedonia. And unfortunately, this is probably one of the scriptures that, you know, some ministers hold on to and they charge for the word of God. 
It says, no other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. It says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. It says, rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Mission. Where we can't go to minister the word of God, we can send ministers to go and minister. But they're not going to feed on air. They need resources. It says, at the moment, I have all I need and more. Basically, say, I'm blessed. I'm good. It says, I, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epa, Epaphroditus. It says, there is sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And then he goes on to pray for them. He says, and this same God, and that is one that we tend to quote a lot, but we don't think about all the bits before. It says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. So he's given, it's a prayer. So my question is, you know, when God gives us resources, right, if we go ahead and say, well, after all, I've paid my tithes and I've paid my offering, I can spend the rest however I like. What opportunity would you have to be a blessing to somebody else? You know, I'll, I'll tell you this very quickly. They, <laughs> there's a guy near, very close to London Bridge, who sits there every morning, you know, selling, um, I think, the big issue. And there was a morning I was going, and the Lord ministered to me. And I took, how many of you know what for today? You know, it's a devotional. I, I tend to get the spear. So I put, I put some money in it, and I, he, he never, he doesn't ask for money, so he just sits there selling his big issue. And <laughs> I, I put the money in it, and, you know, as I was going, I said, good morning, and I handed it to him, and I said, make sure you read it. And he said, yeah, 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 I'll read it, and he put it in his bag, and I left. And every single morning, <laughs> when I pa walk past, and I said, good morning, he goes, Oh, um, that money, that money, you're going to be rich. You're going to be very rich. <laughs> but you know what? The thing what, to me was, I looked at it that this was his way of blessing me to say thank you. Now, if we'd spent, it's okay. It's okay. He wants to minister. You know, if, if we spend everything we got on ourselves, how can we be a blessing to somebody else? We can't. And that's why, you know, 2 Corinthians 2, um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says for, have we got it? 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love. I am hoping to bring the best out of you. 
Amen. You are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. Amen. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. Amen. Amen. So if Jesus Christ, who is the heir, uh, who is the heir to the kingdom, and we are joint heirs with him, if he did that, he's also calling us to that same lifestyle. It says he became poor so that through that we can become rich. Now, we read before that he has given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. I'm not saying we need to live in poverty whilst giving everything away. But I'm saying that we should make sure that we do not live an extravagant life. The Bible says, how can you say you love God? You see your brother that is, has no clothes, and you're saying, God bless you. And you can't feed their tummy before you feed them with the word of God. It's important that we change our minds. We have um, our mindsets are in the right places. And I, like I said before, we have grown up in a system where we live on debt. The system has made it so much easier for us. You know, I, I sat down and I thought, my grandparents, did they, how, I mean, there were no credit cards. There were no, I mean, I, well, I guess there were loans then. But the rate at which we live off debt now is just so alarming. We take out a loan to go on holidays. We take out a loan to buy a car. We take out a loan to buy a house. We use our credit cards to buy bags, to buy gadgets. And what does the Bible say about the lender, the, the borrower? Is a slave to the lender. You know, sometimes you watch this program, can't pay, we'll take it away. Because people, and not all of them, but some of them have not been able to manage their finances well. I'm a strong believer that you start to teach children about money the minute they recognize that this is money. If I could turn back the clock, I would have never given my children pocket money. I'll make them work for it. But we can start where we are. You know, one of my old jobs, I remember I had a manager. who Vanda was 25 years old. And guess what? She had, I've said this before, she had one green jacket. And I still remember that jacket. She wore that jacket every single day to work. And she had one pair of shoes that she wore to work. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. And I remember I used to wear too much. Oh, if I wear a red dress, I had to have a matching shoe. I mean, every, I, couldn't, I wouldn't wear the same. But guess what? She was speaking to me one day, and she said, I've just finished paying off my flat. 
And I looked at myself and I said, really? 25 years old. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't be classy. I'm not saying we shouldn't buy anything. I'm just saying let's be wise. Let's be wise. God wants us to have good things. God blessed Solomon. He blessed Abraham. They had things. But let us use wisdom. Now, someone would say to me, so how do we do that? The Bible says, there's a few rules that I've written down. It says, we seek first the kingdom of God. It says, take time to understand kingdom things. And you would understand how to access them. The only way you understand, the only way you can take hold of your inheritance is when you understand how it works. We will tell you, I mean, we know that when you go to a bank, there's so many bank accounts and they all have different benefits. So it's important for you to understand all the different bank accounts, all the different resources and understand your needs. Understand which ones you need and how to access each of them. It says, as you seek him, you will get to know what is on offer as an inheritance. And only then can you lay claim to that which is yours. But to do this, you need to renew your mind in order to align with your spirit. Stop using debt. And I've said that earlier on. A lot of us were raised on a debt system. We wear clothes that are not paid for. We wear shoes that are not paid for. Buy now, pay later. That's the order of the day. We go to the supermarkets and we say, okay, buy one and the second half price. And then by the time you use up that one, probably the one you've bought half price has spoiled. Was that money well spent? <laughs> You know, I, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned it during the women's, um, that, you know, you go to the market and you have these big bowls of fruits and veg, vegetables. And you find that, you know, you buy it, but it's too much for you. So what I've decided to do is if I go and I buy it, I find somebody and bless with the rest. Because if you leave it at home and it's something that you can't freeze, it spoils. Or sometimes, you know, now I actually go, in, I go there and I say, okay, can I have half of that and half of that? If they want to sell, they'll sell it to you. Let us be wise. Credit cards and overdrafts are not your money. They're somebody else's and there's a price to pay. These days, they send, they, they, the credit cards just flow through the letterbox, whether you've asked for it or not. 
If you know that you cannot be a good steward of a credit card, don't take it at all. You know, the kingdom actually calls us to live be, below our means. What do they say? Cut your coat, cut your coat according to your... Wow, well, maybe cut it according to your shirt or material. If you know you can't afford it, hey, I know I've said this so many times. I, do, I, don't, I, I hardly buy things full price. I wait for the sale and I buy. You don't have to buy full price. And that leads me. <laughs> God will make sure there's one left there for you. Amen. And that leads me to the next point. Wait. Wait. Ask yourself, do I need it now? Can it wait? What's the benefit of me buying it now? The same way when we're having to make decisions, sleep over it. I've come to a realization. You know, there was a few years back when, you know, all the cars I was buying, you know, we're breaking down, we're breaking down. And I got to a point and I said, you know what, ah, come on. And, and I, <laughs> it's time, I need, to, I need a car. Because where I live takes me about an hour and a half to get here if I took a bus. And I use my car as ministry. So I decided to go into Toyota. And I looked at the car and I was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, I looked at the price. Um, and I, afterwards, I think I walked, I was on my way back home and I was speaking to my brother about it. And he said to me, oh, have you got the money for it? And I said... No. Come on. Obviously, have I got that money for it? Of course not. <laughs> I said, um, I can put down a deposit and I'll pay, you know, however, uh, every month. And I think, you know, you have this three-year lease thing. And I said, after three years, I'll, t I'll take it back and I'll get another one. And he says, okay, how much are you going to pay interest every month? And I worked it out and I said, and he says, okay, I'll send you a clip. So he sent me a clip. That clip was um, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University. And I watched, I listened to it, and I went through the whole program. And it did, no one had to tell me before I changed my mind. Now, this is for someone who works in finance. Now, I don't like paying interest, but I just thought it's a, for me, it was almost one of these capital purchases, right? Even though I know within me that the minute you drive a brand new car off the forecourt, it depreciates by it. I knew all this, but I was still prepared to go and buy it. I had to put the brakes on real quick. Because when I sat down and realized how much I was going to be paying in interest, but you know what the catch was 
going to be, you can bring it back in three years' time and get another brand new car. And I thought, yeah, that means every three years I'll be driving a brand new car. But I didn't think how much it was going to cost. Who am I showing off to? Anyway, the long and short of it was God being so good, I had some investments. Um, and when the time came, I cashed it in and I bought the car. But the car was still there. I had to wait a number of years. But when I wanted, you know what? God even gave me a better car than the one I wanted to buy. And the day we went to check the car, it was a pre-reg. How many of us know what pre-reg is? Okay. They bought the cars at the dealers. It was a brand new car, but because of their quota and their target, they had to register the car. But guess what? The registration number, I tell you, if I had waited and done it myself, I, I, wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have been able to do any better than that. That registration was LV65. I'm giving my age now, which was the year I was born. And FPU, Financial Peace University. We went to the forecourt. It was at night. And Nikki looked at the car. And Nikki goes, that's your car, mom. That is the old car. And I looked at it. I looked at the price. I'm like, mm, no, not really. I didn't save that much. But, you know, I had a check-in in my spirit. You know, it was a battle for me to pay cash. Because when I got to the dealer, Stephen, you're laughing. The guy kept on saying, no, 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 no. You pay, you, you can put that on loan. I said, no, I don't want a loan. I remember Stephen negotiating some things in the car for me then. He says, you're going to give her rear this and you're going to give her that. But it's so liberating when you can just pay cash and move on. The guy phoned me and said, oh, three years is up. Would you want to come and exchange your car? I said, no, thank you. I've probably just got, what, 12,000 on the clock. What point am I making? A borrower is always slave to the lender. Let us be wise. Now, I'm not saying that you wouldn't need. There are times that, yes, you would need to put a, you know, use a loan or get, use a credit card, but be intentional about paying it up quickly. Don't say, oh, I've got a mortgage which is 30 years, and I'm going to stretch it over the 30 years. Get it for 30 years, but walk towards clearing it in 15 years. And as God gives you those resources, plow it into it. Living now like no one else so that you can live like no one else. It might mean that instead of going on three holidays, you only go on one holiday. It might mean that you have to do a staycation instead of going to the DR. No names mentioned. But the point is, Try and double up on payments. I've had to go and sit under will for him to counsel me. When it comes to my mortgage. 
And let us not, let's not feel, I don't know the word to put it, you know, when you go, if you find someone that knows something more than you do, there are times I phone up Stephen, there are times I phone up Will, because I know that there are areas where they are quite strong and I need counsel. If you know there's someone out there that can help you, speak to them. That's why we're a body. That's why we're a family. And that takes me on to my almost last point, plastic surgery. How many of us know what that is? Cut the cards up. When those cards are cut, you are not tempted. Now, if you remember, and I was sharing this, Auntie Naomi was sharing something similar with me yesterday. If you remember when the Israelites left Egypt and they were going to their promised land, what two obstacles did they have? How many of us remember the challenges they had? They had, they had the Red Sea ahead of them. Who did they have at the back? They had the Egyptians. They were stuck in the middle. And what were they saying? They wanted to go back. They wanted to go back. Now, if you've got credit cards and you're not able to manage those credit cards, right, cut them up. Do a plastic surgery. That way, you're not tempted to go back to Egypt. Look ahead into that Red Sea, knowing that when you are about to put your feet there, the Lord will part it. And that's me saying God will make a way. When you say God, it's only you have got. These are my needs. And we need to establish what's a need and what's a want. Because unfortunately now, a want has become a need. I think Ezekiela, the one day I was speaking, and she said, I need it. I said, you have, you have no idea. <laughs> you don't know what that means. Ezekiela, I need it. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> it's okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, let's teach children what is, a, what is an actual need. If we remember Maslow's law, the hierarchy of need, it says it's food, shelter, and clothing. Those are the three necessities of life. I know it extended a bit to ex entertainment and something else. But those are the main necessities of life. Let's cut up those credit cards if we cannot be prudent. If we can't use them rightly. See, an obedient child. And lastly, I'm going to say if we want to get out of debt, if we want to know how to use God's resources well, let's have a written plan. If I ask us, how many of us have 
what you call a short-term, a medium-term, and a long-term goal. How many of us have that? Great, a few of us. But it's important that all of us have it. What are your plans in the short term, in the medium term, in the long term? You know, sad to say, I, I, a cousin of mine passed this week. And two weeks ago, she was given a diagnosis. And I knew, she did, I knew it was only take a miracle for her to pull through. And I was speaking to her. Do you have a will? Have you got a life cover? These are things that we need to have in place. She's died without a will. She said, okay, um, she sorted out her, her death in service. But the children are at an age, albeit one, two of them are over 18, but can a 21-year-old, can he manage that amount of money in, by himself? So I said, are, are these in trust for the children? And when you're speaking to someone who's only got days to live, that's not top of their list. You know, the Bible says we should walk while it is yet day. And it doesn't literally mean, you know, day in that. It says, why you've got that energy? Why you've got that mindset? While everything, while you're able to think through, put things in place. You know, sometimes I'll just tell Nikki, oh, this is the password to this. She knows all my passwords. And, you know, I said, all my passwords are in a, on a spreadsheet, and they've got a password. And all she did needs to know is that one password. Am I saying it because I'm prepared to go? No. One, I'm saying it because I need to make sure that somebody else is aware. And I'm also doing it because I'm teaching her some principles. Let us do things right. Now, this is one area that I know a lot of people struggle with. And I've heard people say, how do you expect me to give if I don't have enough? How do you expect me to give if I don't earn enough? If my outgoings are more than my incomings? How do you expect me to give? The Bible says that what we sow is what we'll reap. But if we don't sow anything, what would we reap? Give God something to work with. The Bible says give. And what? It shall be given unto us. 
good me no good measures pressed down and shaking together shall men give unto us. But it also tells us the measure in which you give, would it be given back unto you? Sam said it last week in the scripture. God loves a what? A cheerful giver. You know, I've realized that if I have a need, I sow into the life of somebody that has that need. And that's what, for me, unlocks that area of my life. Bible says, let us not be weary in doing good. So over the, over the next few weeks, you know, we, we're going to tackle specifics. We're going to tackle people's questions. But I encourage us, the reason we're doing this is the gift that God has given unto us. We want to equip others with it. And that's the reason why everyone's not a doctor or everyone's not an accountant. Because if everyone was an accountant, you know, who would, who, who would be the doctor? Who would be the caterer? Oh, Ezekiel. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, my point is, you know, bring those questions. There is no silly question. Even if there's something that you know, bring it up because it will benefit somebody else. The Bible says that the blessings of God, it makes rich and does not hurt sorrow to it. I like how Proverbs put it. It says, you know, whoever gives to the poor lends to God. And you can just imagine what the returns, we call it return on investment. <laughs> All right. It's an investment. If you give to the poor, you're lending to God. And the returns of those will be mind-boggling. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.